you, Esther and Terrence and Tiffany. It's always an honor to have both of you here and um, to have you leading in uh, Billy's uh, while he's away on sabbatical. It's an honor to have both of you. Always is. Find, please, uh, the book of Philemon, if you can. It ain't easy to find, is what I'm saying. It's one page in my copy of Scripture, but if you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far. It's near the end. Philemon, and we just, there's just one chapter, and we're going to read the sixth verse of the book of Philemon. And um, I'm going to read from the New International Version. It will read a little bit differently, depending on the version that you have, but that's the one that I learned it first in, and reads beautifully, and I think accurately, and so I'm going to I'm going to read from the New International Version, Philemon, verse 6. And God inspired Paul to write, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. One more time. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of everything, every good thing we have in Christ. I'm going to unpack that verse. This is um, the third week in uh, a three-week series on personal evangelism. And personal evangelism is is really a, a churchy way of describing our opportunity to help people understand who Jesus is, of helping them understand what it means to follow Jesus and then inviting them into that relationship. Now, I know when I say personal evangelism, uh, for many of us that it conjures up an image uh, of, uh, of someone or some activity that's kind of, well, odd, kooky, weird, outlandish, maybe even, maybe even offensive. You may have the, the image of somebody like, uh, like Uncle Louie. Garrison Keillor, in uh, the writing about Lake Wobegon, described his Uncle Louie, who was one of these outlandish folks who was real excited about what we might call personal evangelism. Uh, Uncle Louie had a car on that car, covered, covering that car were all these uh, bumper stickers with uh, religious sayings and Bible verses. You can probably think of a car you've seen something like that. Uncle Louie had, uh, Garrison Keillor said Uncle Louie had uh, these, uh, he called them gospel booklets. You and I might call them tracks, these little booklets that used to be popular as we would help people come to know Jesus. And and he said he had them uh, wrapped wrapped individually in cellophane, and, and he would drive down the street and toss them into people's front yards like I used to when I was a kid. I had a paper route, and I'd toss those newspapers out there. And his horn, uh, Uncle Louie's horn, uh, played the first eight notes of the doxology. So you, you cut Uncle Louie off in traffic and you'd get, praise God from whom all blessings flow, or at least the, the notes uh, to that. When we think about personal evangelism, lots of us in our heads have conjured up this image of, of kooky, of weird, of outlandish, of maybe inappropriate, maybe even offensive. But it doesn't have to be like that. I can't promise that somebody might not think you odd. 
But it doesn't have to be odd. We talk about personal evangelism because, well, because Jesus matters. And because what people decide about Jesus matters. We talk about Jesus because Ephesians 2.12 says, as I quoted in the prayer a moment ago, that those without Jesus are without hope and without God in the world. We talk about Jesus because life at its best is impossible without him. He doesn't come to offer perfect life, but, but he does come to offer, he said, abundant life, life that is at its best in an imperfect, fallen world. We talk about Jesus because this world is not all there is. And even though I, I can't, I, I don't know exactly how to interpret all the images in the Bible about hell, it is, at least it seems to me for certain, a place that is uh, hopeless and uh, eternal separation from the giver of all good things, God the Father. We talk about personal evangelism because grace, God's unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love is a wonderful motivator. We talk about personal evangelism because maybe the most important, wonderful experience a follower of Jesus ever can have is to be part of someone's journey toward Jesus. We talk about personal evangelism because arguably the most sacred moment in the life of the church is when a new believer is baptized. So we talk about, even though some would might think us odd and even though we don't want to be outlandish and we, we don't want to be offensive, we, we do talk about personal evangelism because it's really, really important. Now, I want us to talk specifically about Philemon verse 6, which says, I pray that you may be active, sharing your faith, so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. Now, let's talk about that last half of the verse first. First, first, let's talk about the last half at the beginning. I pray that you'll have be active sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. So until we're sharing our faith, we don't have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. This is where the water hits the wheel, where the rubber hits the road. I spent uh, seven and a half years in seminary. Uh, I, was, uh, I was a slow learner. Well, I, sp- I, I taught in seminary. I, I taught from Christian theology to Baptist doctrine, even a survey of Eastern religions, just trying to stay a, a, a week ahead of the, or day, a class ahead of the students. I, uh, I, I figured this week I've preached over 1,500 Sunday morning sermons. I've preached more on Sunday nights and taught more on Wednesday nights and other uh, special events than it would be possible for me to count. I've spent countless hours in front of a computer or a laptop with my hands on the keyboard wrestling with big, important theological topics, trying to put coherent thoughts on paper. And I tell you all that to say nothing compares to sitting across the table at lunch or in a coffee shop or in someone's den talking about what it would mean for that person to consider following Jesus. The Christian faith never seems so real. My faith never is so 
meaningful. The weight of someone's decision who's considering Jesus. I never feel like when I'm having that personal conversation. You know, we, we can say anything publicly that we want, even whether we mean it or not. People do it all the time. But when it's up close and personal, when you're having lunch with a friend, when you're having coffee with somebody you care about, when you're in someone's den, you, and, and you're talking about these things that matter, man, it gets real. So no matter how many Sunday school classes you've attended or taught, no matter how many uh, hymns or worship songs or anthems you have sung, uh, no matter how many retreats you've been on or mission trips you've been on, you will not understand the, the full, you will not have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ until we're active in in sharing our, our faith. I pray that you will be active sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. Now let's back up to the first part of the, of the verse. I pray that you will be active. I've done some pondering this week on that word active and I believe it means at least three things. I mean, it, I believe it means be intentional, uh, courageous, and unashamed, and I want to talk about those. First, to be intentional, to be deliberate, to always be looking for opportunities, even to be strategic. And I want to give you some examples, some just very simple examples of how we might be active or intentional in sharing our faith. So, Last week after the 8.15 service, Melissa Hastings, I don't think she'd mind me telling you, came up and said, I've had more conversations in the office because of a cup that I have on which is written the word hope. And people come by and they, they'll say something about that cup and even might say, you know, I could use, I could use some. It's open, just the very, having a cup with hope on it has written on it, has offered or has opened doors. She mentioned also the, you know, our mosaic out here is a very popular thing, of course, in, across Huntsville. And, and uh, there are t-shirts and mugs that have, uh, uh, you know, the, the picture of our mosaic on it. And often they read, uh, whisk, you were here. That's a common theme under those, uh, under those pictures. The, uh, at, at Valentine's Day, this past Valentine's Day, it was the Arts Council of Huntsville or somebody, I've forgotten who, made Valentine cards, and uh, one of them was a picture of our uh, mosaic, and uh, the caption underneath read, uh, our love is unbeatable, of course, a reference to the, um, the egg beater Jesus theme. So what if when somebody mentions that, what if you were to say, you know, I go to church there. Well, that's good, and I hope you would, but I, what if you were to go a step further? What if you were to say, you know, I know that uh, around Huntsville, people call that uh, egg beater Jesus, but you know, at our church, we, 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 we usually call it the cosmic Christ because we believe he, he is king of the universe. See, you're not, you're not being offensive. You're not invading somebody's privacy. You're not judging anybody. You're just saying, hey, you know, I know how, what people call it. We're cool with that, but, but we, we really prefer the cosmic Christ because see, you look at him, he's in the sky. He's Lord of the universe. See, you're, you're just beginning, you're, you're just deliberately beginning a, a conversation. Or what about somebody says, um, you know, I'm having a really rough week. I hope you say, I'm sorry, but what if you were to say, you know, 
I'm going to pray for you every morning. You're not being offensive. You're not forcing your religion on somebody. You're just saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you. I think they probably would at least appreciate it. Uh, What if you were to invite your neighbors to dinner? Not to ambush them or bushwhack them, as they used to say in the Westerns, but just to have a conversation. Last week, I talked about Todd Watson, lives in the Midwest. He and his wife decided, because they have lots of neighbors who are not followers of Jesus yet, and so they decided to invite five of them, and they get together every Tuesday night. He said, my wife and I always pray, Holy Spirit, take advantage of this opportunity. And he said to me, and I love this line, if you create the space and invite the Spirit, he will not refuse the invitation. If you create the space and invite the Spirit, he will not refuse the invitation. So just invite people to dinner and see what happens. Or what if you had a a book, a, a, a small book that you could hand somebody that costs five dollars. I know I have one, I have one in mind, from which the author does not profit, by the way. That little Von Braun book, by the way, we've ordered more. We ran out of copies, and so thank you for giving. Some of you I know are doing this. You're buying copies to give out. That's what they were intended for. So what if you were to buy a copy of that or a couple and hand to folks and say, hey, would you read this? It won't take long. And let's talk about it next week or next time we see each other. And then ask them. Don't ask them about the writing style. Ask them, uh, were you surprised about anything? Did you disagree with anything? Or was there anything in there that you found meaningful? You're not being offensive. You're not crossing a line. You're just, you gave them a gift to, to read. What about these fresh expressions of church that Joan was just, just up here talking about? Those get us beyond our walls among people that, are highly unlikely to come to this church or any other church building. Opportunities, you're just having opportunities, inviting the Holy Spirit in. And remember, as Todd Watson said, if you invite him, he will not refuse the invitation. So, I I pray that you will be active, which means, you know, first of all, we're going to be intentional and courageous and, and unashamed. So, intentional, I've talked about that. What about courageous. This is going to require courage. And I, I know I'm not the model here, but I'm, for what it's worth, I'm going to tell you, I get scared every time I have one of these conversations. Because I, I don't want people to reject me. I like it when people like me. And I struggle maybe more than you do with trying to fit in. I mean, I, I want to be a I am a regular guy. I want to be treated like a regular guy. And that's not easy when you're the pastor. You know, you want to ruin somebody's day. Play golf with two guys you don't know. And on about the 11th hole, when they say, what do you do? Say, I'm a Baptist preacher. What do you do? It'll ruin ruin their day. So I want to be, I want to be included. And so my heart races and my Palms sweat. I don't want to be considered unlearned. and It does require courage, but maybe this will help. 1 Peter 4.14 says, When you are insulted because of the name of Christ, not just for any reason, but when you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the Spirit of God rests on you. When you are insulted 
Because of the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of God rests on you. I pray that you'll be active, which means active, meaning intentional, courageous, and, and third, unashamed. Quite frankly, I think some of us are ashamed. Get us on a mission trip and we'll share our faith. Get us in church and we'll wear our religion on our sleeves. But get us in the school and in the workplace and the marketplace. And we clam up like people who are, well, ashamed. You know, I, I look for a way to say this that wouldn't sound corny or preachy, but all, all I know is to encourage you, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Paul wrote, I, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is dynamite, dunamis, power for those who believe. I pray that you will be active, which I think means at least it means intentional, and courageous, and unashamed. I pray that you will be active sharing your faith, sharing. Not forcing, not debating, not even persuading, but sharing. Some of you I know have read, as I have, uh, that series of novels by Jan Karen called the Mitford series. Mitford is a little town, and uh, I like that series because uh, the preacher is always the hero in the, in the story. Father Tim is this cool guy. And um, in uh, one of the books at home in Mitford, Father Tim has gone down to the creek, which is on the outskirts of town, to visit this guy who's simply known in town as homeless. That's what everybody knows, knows him as. He's, oh, homeless. So Father Tim, being the nice guy that he is, goes down and just visits with homeless. Not the first time he's been there. But because homeless trusts Father Tim, he says to the pastor that he's skeptical of religious people. Because he said, I know when they help me, they're just trying to convert me. And then he says, you people come back in here to the creek and make me feel like a frog you're trying to gig. We're not gigging frogs. We're just sharing. We're just having conversations. These, are not, these people are not trophies. They're not stories to brag about. They're just people that we care about and we're just sharing. I, I pray that you'll be active uh, sharing, not debating, not convincing, but sharing. Chris Moore was the student minister at um, the church I served in uh, Richmond when I went there, and he wrote a little booklet for uh, his, the students about sharing our faith. And, and here, just a few sentences. Would you listen carefully to what he said? What if God doesn't want a salesman or a debater? What if God just wants an introduction? What if we're simply to make introductions or facilitate encounters with Jesus? And he goes on with some ideas about how to do that. And then he finishes, listen carefully. It takes away all the pressure of having to make the sale, win the debate, or make a convert. That's good because it frees us to be authentic, honest, and patient. 
It also allows our unchurched friends to drop their guard if they know we aren't, we aren't giving them an ultimatum or a full court press. Best of all, it puts the results back in God's hands where it belongs. We're, we're just sharing. This is what I've come to learn and this is what's meaningful to me and this has made a difference in my life and and given the opportunity, I'd like to talk with you about what that might, what that might mean. I, I pray that you will be active, that you'll be intentional and courageous, and that, that you won't be ashamed in, in sharing, sharing. Third, your faith. I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. I pray you'll be active in sharing your faith, not, not the pastor's faith and not my Sunday school teacher's faith and not my spouse's faith, and not my mama's faith and not my daddy's faith, but I pray you'll be active in sharing your faith. Remember Chris Moore here, the student minister, he said that Sharing your faith is like making an introduction, that God just, maybe he just wants an introduction. Well, here's the deal. You can't introduce somebody you don't know. You ever been standing, maybe talking with another, a friend, maybe at a convention or maybe in the hallway at church or at the high school reunion or somewhere, you're talking to somebody you know and a third party walks up and they just stand there, and you're, you know they're thinking, why don't you introduce me? And you're thinking, who is this, who is this person? You know, the Rolodex is flipping in your head. You're trying to carry on a conversation, and all the while you're thinking, do I know you? And, and you don't introduce, you might say, hey, bud, or, you know, or something like that, but you can't, if you don't know him, if you don't know her, you can't introduce him. You can't introduce her. And so I don't know any other way to put it other than to ask you, do you really know Jesus? I, I'm not talking, did daddy know Jesus? Or did you grow up with your name on the church roll? I'm not talking about, do you like his house? I, I'm just asking you, do you really know Jesus? Have you had that encounter so transforming that Jesus called it a new birth? There are people in this room, I'm sure, who could, as the old gospel song says, I could tell you, uh, I, could take you uh, I could tell you now the time, I could take you to the place where the Lord saved me by His wonderful grace. Some of you could do that. You could say it was on July the 8th in Guttersville or some of you would say it was more like a process. I, I, I don't know exactly when I, I crossed the line, but I began, here's how it began, and, and I became a follower of Jesus. And I don't care whether it's a, a point in time or a process, but have you had that experience so transforming that Jesus called it uh, the same as being born again? I'm just asking, could you introduce Jesus? Because do you know Jesus? Because you can't introduce somebody you don't know. I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith. If you're as old as I am uh, and, and a big a sports fan as I am, you might remember the name George Plimpton. George Plimpton in the 1960s was a sports writer in the 70s. 
He wanted to write about the National Football League, but he didn't want to just write about it from a distance. He wanted to write about it from the inside. So in 1963, this writer made an arrangement with the Detroit Lions to become a quarterback uh, on their team, the Detroit Lions. So he, w he went to preseason and uh, he practiced with them. And they practiced four uh, specific plays. There would be no changing of the plays. But the, the plan was he would actually go in the game during a preseason game and play quarter. This is a writer going to play quarterback in the National Football League. So they practiced those four plays, and he got a jersey, a number zero. And they got a, he had shoulder pads and the helmet and the whole deal. Practiced with the team, went in. This is 1963, preseason game. Uh, he tried it at, a, at the predetermined time in the game. He tried it off the sideline with the offense and got in the huddle and called the plays. Again, there would be no changes, no audibles, no, it would go no matter what happened, they would run these four plays. And they did. In a preseason National Football League game, the writer, George Plimpton, quarterback, four plays. Uh, over four plays, uh, the team lost 32 yards. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't go well. 1971, Eight years later, he decided to do it again, this time with the Baltimore Colts. Remember Baltimore Colts, not the Indianapolis Colts. He, he went in and uh, played this time preseason game against the Detroit Lions. And uh, again, same thing, they rehearsed plays. They actually made a little yardage because there was a penalty. It didn't go quite as bad as it had before. But a guy named Alex Karras, who's this big linebacker, played for the D Detroit Lions, actually hit Plimpton. And there's a video, you can Google it. He, he looks down and says, are you all right? I mean, just Plimpton's on. He had a, a number. He had a jersey. He had a helmet. He had the shoulder pads. His name was on the roster. But he was not an NFL quarterback. He's he, he just going through the motions. I am um, far be it for me to cast doubt where there shouldn't be no doubt. But I cannot be responsible in coming to a conclusion about personal evangelism without asking every one of you whether you're just going through the motions. Because before we worry about those, if you will, out there, I, I want to make sure we all are good in here. Meaning that you've had that, however you would describe it, that experience so transformative that your hope now is not in your goodness, but in the Lord Jesus. If I could take 60 seconds to conclude, remember, God's plan for you is that you have life at its best and life that never ends. But there's a problem. Our problem is what the Bible calls sin. It's, it's the same word that means an arrow falling short of its target. And that sin separates us from God and separates us from people and separates us from God's plan for us. So God's answer to that problem is Jesus. His solution is Jesus, who, who lived a sinless life, who performed miracles, who loved like nobody ever has loved, who stretched forth his hands and died and mysteriously took upon himself our sins so that we could be forgiven and rose again. And 
And our response to Jesus is to, is to trust him with all we have and all we are, to put the full weight of our, our hope on him, to turn from those things that are wrong and accept his forgiveness already offered, to experience his grace. So I'm asking you, could you introduce Jesus because you know him? It's impossible to introduce somebody you don't know, and it's impossible to share something you don't have. Well, we're going to